Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. All right, guys. Uh, obviously uh, disappointing. Uh, had a chance to win it in the end and overcome a lot of our sloppiness, our two turnovers, our our drop, uh, you know, opportunity for a touchdown, our penalties, with all that. I thought our kids played hard and battled back with an opportunity to kick the field goal and win. And, uh, you know, we just didn't make that happen. But uh, we put ourselves in that situation with uh, too many sloppy penalties and turnovers. And as I said, that that's just not on the road. You can't do that. We did that. Um, proud of the way our kids fought and battled. Uh, their resiliency, their toughness uh, really showed. But, uh, you know, we just didn't we didn't get it done in the end. All right, what's up, guys? We're back with another edition of the DNVR Rams podcast presented by Chevalier Mortgage. I'm Justin Michael. That was Steve Adazio's introductory statement following last night's just really disappointing loss to Utah State. You know, as he addressed a lot of a lot of sloppy penalties, and he talked about that a lot in the post game session. I mean, just repeatedly jumping off sides. It was it was pretty frustrating to watch. They had a couple of turnovers, which is something they'd been really good about in the last couple of weeks. But even in spite of it all, they had an opportunity to win. Should have won. Uh, just craziness, man. After rewatching the whole thing today, it was it was painful to do. Based on what I think happened, I think it looks like the offense is lining up. They're all set to spike. Some of the specialists run on, and then all of a sudden you see Santeo and the rest of the guys be like, oh crap, we must be going, you know, hurry here. And chaos just kind of broke out. They ended up rushing the field goal attempt. Still got it off, but rushed it. Camper pulls it left, and it's a shame because, I mean, 11 seconds with the clock stoppage on the first down, that is an eternity of time. It's plenty of time to execute. And CSU kind of botched it. Uh, I didn't really talk about this on DNVR Rams late night, but after going back and kind of re-listening to the whole post-game thing after re-watching it, I do feel like Steve Adazio threw his players under the bus pretty intensely after that one. Um, I'm not trying to like rip him. I am, you know, being critical, but I do think it was probably just his honest assessment of what happened. And I get that. I mean, all the time we complain when coaches, you know, dance around things or don't give their honest opinion. I do think he did that. And so I get it. But as the leader of the team, I I do think you kind of have to fall on the sword there and just kind of assume all the responsibility and, and just kind of take all of it. I mean, it it is your program. You're the head coach. It's your decision-making. And on top of that, you're more involved in special teams than most head coaches are. You lost not only because of special teams. I mean, again, too many penalties, turnovers, all that. But it really came down to the pooch kick at the end of the first half, which was a bad bounce. So, you know, I, I'm not going to completely you know, crucify them for that. It was just a weird play, but they did mess it up. They hesitated, had a chance to recover, kind of hesitated. Utah State gets another field goal there. And then obviously the end of the game. So I just kind of feel like Adazio should have, you know, fallen on the sword a little bit more for his players there. Didn't like how he handled that. But I'm going to get into all of my takeaways from this game. 
and then just talk about the Mountain West implications because <laughs> CSU, if they beat Utah State, they would have a two-game lead in the Mountain Division after Air Force fell to San Diego State tonight. Man, it's going to sting for a while. Rams really had an opportunity here, and they missed it. Before we get into some of the takeaways, I do want to shout out our presenting sponsor, Chevalier Mortgage, who is just so clutch all the time. And, you know, something to keep in mind for our homeowners, with the prices going up, it's creating natural equity in your home. If you have mortgage insurance, chances are you can refinance out of that and make the bubble work for you. If you're in the buyer's market, you know how stressful it is trying to buy a home right now. The, the market in Colorado is just crazy. Let Mike and Virginia Chevalier take the burden off this extremely difficult process. They're going to alleviate so much stress. Just take some of that worry off your plate. Their ultimate goal is to take the stress out of buying and refinancing. They strive to give their borrowers options with their full financial picture in mind. With the highest level of integrity, always putting their borrowers first. They're extremely transparent. You know They want their customers to know who they're working with, not feel bounced around. And they actually have a fun perk for DNVR listeners. If you visit them at dnvrmortgage.com, you can enter to win a free DNVR shirt or hat of your choice. Most importantly, get set up with a free consultation to discuss all your options. That's dnvrmortgage.com. You can also call Mike directly at 970-412-2472 or again, visit dnvrmortgage.com. Michael Chevalier, NMLS number 1931006. Virginia Chevalier, NMLS number 1910631. Hey, Steve, this is Mike. Could you talk a little bit about the confusion at the end as you had seemed like your offense was still on the field? Yeah. So all we wanted to do was spike the ball. But we had to have the fast field goal team ready because if the ball had had we had to not had a first down and didn't have a chance to get up and spike the ball, we had to have fast field goal ready. So we had fast field goal ready down by where the ball was. And uh, the guys took off onto the field, uh, the fast field goal team. Um, you know, they weren't sent, but they they, they went and, in, and it created that confusion at the end, which is just a shame. But we really got set up, and then it wasn't like we weren't set up to kick the field goal. So uh, you know, we, we were set up to kick the field goal, and we just didn't strike it. But that's what happened at the end there. I don't – no one sent them in, but they they, they took off on the field. Uh, you know, we work on that play but situationally, but that wasn't the situation for it. It could have been. That's why we had it ready, but it wasn't the situation. We could have spiked it uh, and then gone on the field and kicked it without as much chaos. Steve, you were able to get the passing game going late. What do you feel like changed in terms of Santeo kind of getting rolling there in the fourth quarter? I don't think anything changed. You know, we had some herky-jerkiness in the game. I mean, you know, we turned the ball over twice early. We had two series where we fell down. We had another one where we didn't seat the ball coming from the center exchange, and then so we lost the yard. So anytime you're in drives where you're, you know, we had three drives in which we, you know, had negative yardage plays that got us off schedule. Because really, I think right from the beginning, we went into halftime. We were we, we had over 225 yards of offense. And when David was, we were rushing the ball for over 5.7 yards of carry. So, I mean, it wasn't like we weren't moving a ball. But but we disrupted our drives. And that's, that's what happened in the first half. We felt very confident. I mean, we could move the ball very well. On defense, we were making some really good plays. But, you know, we... We really hurt ourselves by uh, by going offsides, and uh, those offside penalties were leading to those vertical balls down the field. Of what of which one of them, I believe, at least one of them, resulted in a touchdown. 
And those are just foolish, dumb errors. And we made them. And then we had a, you know, we had a rough in the quarterback penalty. So we had the offside penalty, rough in the quarterback. And we, we just had a lot of penalties. And we had a, we had a b- bunch of uh, pass interference penalties, which to me, our guys were going up competing for the ball, but they weren't saw, seen that way. So, you, you know, I think what I'm telling you is on offense, we got off schedule a little bit, not because we couldn't move the ball. And then on defense, we, we let them stay on the field, which we said we couldn't with foolish penalties. And then they chewed a bunch of clock on us. So like in the third quarter, that hurt us. We had a, you know, we also had a wide open touchdown pass. that was a beautiful ball Toddy made and we, we didn't make the catch. That would have been a touchdown in the third period. So, you know, we had our opportunities and, uh, and we made a lot of plays, but uh, you know, too many mistakes. Steve, to circle back to the, the field goal attempt there at the end, just on the logistics of it. So is there a coach that's supposed to be, you know, basically signal on if you need the, the fast field goal unit? And obviously that, you know, didn't happen because the first down and the guys just kind of overrode that and just ran on. That's what happened there. Yeah, I mean, I would say to you that they got caught up in the emotion of the game and took off on the field. And uh, I, I'm, I'm telling you, that's what I think. I don't I can't tell you for sure, because, you know, obviously I'm like, who sent them on and no one sent them on. So um, it just happened, which means that it's my responsibility because that can't happen, but it did happen. And uh, so I'll take the responsibility for that. Having said that, we were perfectly set up, ready to kick the field goal. So um, I don't believe that had any impact on that field goal whatsoever. So it just, whether we spiked it and kicked it or we did what we did, that's what happened. But we had a, we had a clean setup a good snap and a clean swipe at it just didn't come together. I mean, you know, I'm, I'm, move, I'm moving on from that. One. I'm, uh, you know, I'm more interested in the fact that we got the ball down there and competed our tail off and put ourselves in position to win the game. All right. That was Steve Adazio post game. Uh, a lot of deflecting in my opinion, you know, especially when special teams falls under your leadership, but not going to go on and on about that. I already kind of said my piece on the situation. So going to kind of dive into some of the other takeaways from Friday night. And obviously, you know, it starts with the defense who they were tremendous. I mean, they 20 points allowed in the second quarter, but six in the other three, the penalties were brutal. I mean, jumping off sides repeatedly was pretty frustrating. And I'll play some audio from Toby McBride later on that. Um, obviously the, the pass interference calls were tough. I felt like Utah state got away with offensive pass interference and CSU got called for quite a few ticky-tack ones. It is what it is on that one. I mean, you still had a chance to win even in spite of it. They they really, in the second half, were just so dominant. Uh, eight sacks in this one from seven different individuals. You get 29 combined tackles out of Cameron Carter and Daquan Jackson. And, you know, DJ's been a stud all night. He had 15 tonight, 14 from Carter. He also had a sack. He also had an interception. He also had another pass breakup. I mean, he was balling. He was my DraftKings king of the game. But it was just a really solid night for a, a variety of different guys. I mean, Henry Blackburn had eight tackles. I felt like this was Manny Jones' best game of the season. He always seems to perform well in Logan. Eight tackles tonight, one and a half sacks, two tackles for loss. He was a wrecking crew in this one. Mo Kamara had another game. They were really talking him up on the broadcast, and 
it kind of feels like they realized a couple of minutes in, oh, this dude has five and a half sacks. We should probably have known who he was. <laughs> and then they kept talking about him all night, even though some of the other guys were playing a little bit better. But they were all solid. You know, he was great. Toby, Patchen. Patch got banged up a little bit at one point, so we'll kind of have to keep an eye on that. But it was just such an admirable performance from the defense, and, and you really have to respect the grit and the resilience that they played with. They got CSU the ball back when they desperately needed it. You know, CSU, they had a chance to win this one. <laughs> Unfortunate it played out the way that it did. Um, definitely going to be one that comes back to haunt you probably in the division standings. I mean, you win that game, you control your own fate with an opportunity to, to be the driver, you know, in the Mountain Division. You still have an opportunity now. I mean, if you lose to Boise State, your chances of winning the Mountain Division go down drastically, but wouldn't be impossible, I guess, technically. We'll get into all that in a sec. I do want to play the post-game audio from Toby McBride. Uh, just before we get into that, though, I, I do also want to briefly talk about the offense. They ran the ball down their throats. I mean, David Bailey was awesome in this. The offensive line, Barry Wesley, Mike Chiafani, who is a dude that was on offense, got moved to defense, moved back to offense, has been able to step up for this program in a major way. They really needed him. He's been great for them. Um, you know, on top of that, though, I think it was a pretty good game from Todd Santeo. They struggled to get the passing game going early. He did miss a couple of open guys, but in the third quarter, I mean, EJ Scott dropped what should have been a walk-in touchdown. It hit him right in the hands. Kind of looked like he outran the ball. It was a weird situation. Um, it's unfortunate, but in the fourth quarter when they went tempo and they had to spread things out, he was awesome. And that's a theme we've seen when CSU's had to spread it out and, and go tempo and, you know, stretch the field. Santeo's been really good in those scenarios. I'd like to see CSU run more of that. And I actually intend to ask Adazio about that. You know, like, I know that you have been effective in the passing game in, in other ways, and they run a lot of different personnel. I mean, it's, it's not a situation where they're just in one offense all the time. It's very NFL-like. You know, it's a pro-style system in that regard. They... They switch it up. They're under center. They're in the gun. You know, they're at a 12 personnel, 13. They had a four tight end set this past week. They do a lot of different shit, and, and that's great. But when you think about the inconsistency as a whole of the passing game and just, you know, not really being able to connect on some of those explosives, and then you see the way that they're able to move the ball when they go spread, why don't you do a little bit more of that? It's not like you have to go away from the run game or anything like that. And Bailey's shown he can run the ball out of the gun on some of those sweeps, especially to the left, I mean, he was getting seven, eight yards upfield around the corner even before he was being touched. So I just, I want to see more of that. I just, I think it, it gives the Rams a better opportunity to challenge the defense. It's not that you can't win playing bully ball, but I just think you need to occasionally put yourself in an advantageous situation to take it, you know, advantage of the rules, which obviously they favor the offense. Like we saw Utah state draw a couple of ticky tacky PI calls just by kind of throwing 50, 50 balls. You know, you always have an opportunity to do that. I don't know. I just, I want to see more of it. Cause I, I do think Santeo has been much improved. He did have an interception and it, it was a bad throw, but also I'm pretty sure that Cameron Butler stopped running the route. So, you know, like it is what it is overall. Santeo has been really good when it comes to his decision-making and in the last five minutes of that Utah State game, he was awesome. I mean, that that drive, it was just quick strike to Dante Wright, quick strike. All of a sudden, 
Gary Williams catches a 40-yard touchdown. You're like, well, that's crazy. All right, the Rams are back in it. They get the ball back. No timeouts. What's he do? Gets him right in field goal position. They did everything right, you know, leading all the way up to the to the end where they did everything wrong in the last play. And it sucks because this would have been, I wouldn't say it'd be the best comeback in CSU football history because there have been some pretty crazy ones. And for me, at least, nothing is going to top the New Mexico Bowl because that's that's just the craziest football game I've ever seen. But it definitely would have been like a top 10, f- top five comeback in, in CSU football history. And they should have won. They should have won. Like, does anybody think Camper's missing that field goal if he gets to do it at a normal pace? I don't. The dude's been clutch as hell. So it's just unfortunate that it that it came down to that and the chaos and, and how it all played out. It really sucks because, you know, this was just... It was such an admirable effort from the Rams. And I do think like if there's anything you can guarantee about this team, it's that they're just going to keep fighting. Like they, they don't ever fold and that's, that's really admirable. And and I think it's going to pay dividends down the stretch. I still very much feel like this is a bowl team. I, I honestly think they have a good chance to beat Boise state air force and Wyoming. Maybe, maybe that's wishful thinking. And again, especially with Boise until you do it, like I'm not going to, you know, until you do it, there's always going to be room for skepticism, but I think they match up well with them. I think they're going to punch back in a way that, you know, some other CSU teams probably would have laid down. And honestly, though, as a whole, like the CSU Boise series last year was a blowout, but it was kind of fluky because of the three blocked kicks. I mean, that's 21 points. That completely flips everything open. Really, though, like going back to 2016, and I'd honestly even say like 2014, it's, it's for the most part, been a competitive game on a year-to-year basis. All right, we're going to talk about the uh, the implications, what happened in the rest of the Mountain West. Before we do, though, I want to play that audio of Toby McBride. Also want to shout out the homies over at DraftKings Sportsbook. NFL fans hungry for a big win this week. DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL, has you covered. New customers can bet just $5 on any NFL team to win their game. If they do, you win $200 in free bets. Winner, winner, chicken dinner. It's that simple, baby. DraftKings Sportsbook also has a way for existing customers to get some skin in the game with the same game parlays, which allows you to combine multiple bets from the same game for a bigger payout. The more legs you add, the more money you win. DraftKings is safe, secure, and reliable. Best of all, you can deposit and withdraw your funds at your convenience. So download the top-rated DraftKings Sportsbook app now. Use the promo code DNVR. Bet $5 on any NFL team to win their game. Get $200 in free bets if they win. You win big with the promo code DNVR this week at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL. Must be 21 or older, Colorado-only, new customers only. Restrictions do apply. See DraftKings.com sportsbook for details. And if you have a gambling problem... Call 1-800-522-4700. This also feels like a perfect time to shout out Solace Meds, though. You might need something to forget Friday night or, you know, spooky season, Halloween parties. Solace Meds is the premier dispensary. They're always hooking it up. They have four incredible locations in Colorado, one in Fort Collins, one in Wheat Ridge, one up Broadway, one just blocks away on East Colfax from the DMVR bar. All October long, Dixie Gummies, Solace Bars, Solace Sticks, Mile Eye Extractions, Summits, and 1906 drops are all 25% off. On the 30th and 31st, the entire stores buy three, get one free. That's awesome. And on the 31st, you get a goodie bag with the purchase of $50 or more. I mean, that's just the stuff they're doing anyways. But if you use the code DNVR20, you get 20% off your entire order. So, I mean, you're literally losing money if you don't go there. But they also hook you up because you get a free Solace Bar or King Cone 
Again, all you got to do is mention the code DNVR20. Solace Meds makes your cannabis shopping experience a delight. Head to their website, view their menu, order online, pick up at your convenience. Head to solacemeds.com, order online, purchase there, easy as pie. Make sure you're using that code DNVR20 for 20% off your entire order at Solace Meds. All right, here's that audio from Toby McBride kind of talking about the penalties and the chaos of the moment. You know, he couldn't really speak to what happened, but after that, we'll just kind of wrap up with some final thoughts on the Mountain West and everything that happened on Saturday. Hey, Toby, this is Mike Brohart. Hi. How tough emotionally is that finish considering the way that the defense played the majority of that game? Uh, it's definitely heartbreaking, um, especially with how the defense played. We played well in some areas, but had a lot of penalties in the others. So um, to have that much defensive play in the game and have that much control over the game um, and not come out with a win is something that our defense isn't looking to do. If we're on the field that much, uh, we should have complete control of the game, not have any penalties, be able to hold the offense to uh, minimal yards and come out better than we did. Do you feel the mood of the game changed into the first half, beginning of the second half? They had the ball for basically 10 minutes, 10 and a half minutes, and ended up getting three field goals out of that and created that margin. Um, I would just say when we went into halftime, we made some adjustments, got real fired up, uh, ready to play. So I would say the mood changed more um, just on our side. We worry about us, control what we can control. Uh, came out more fired up, uh, ready to play. Uh, we played well in the second half, but still had some same penalties. That third quarter, we eliminated the offsides, but then it came back again in the fourth quarter. I'm not sure why, but um, I think every single one of the guys on the defensive line, including myself, had one of those offensive size penalties. Um, so we just got to get that fixed. Toby, can you just kind of take us through your vantage point there? What kind of happened on that last play? Did it just seem like there was confusion and what the special teams unit was trying to do? Adavio, you know, mentioned if, you know, they got the first down, you obviously didn't need the speed unit there, but it just kind of seemed like there was chaos and confusion. <clears throat> Yeah, um, it was a loud stadium to play in, a lot of emotions running around, uh, making that big drive uh, at the very end. Um, I'm not a big special teams guy. I don't, I'm not sure when they are supposed to go out. Um, I just saw them right out on the field. Um, I don't know who sent them out. I, they just ran out. <clears throat> I, don't, I don't know the special teams calls. I don't call them. I don't sit on the special teams meeting, so I'm not real sure. I don't have much to say about that. You know, as one of the leaders on this team, how do you guys put this behind you? Because obviously, you know, you can't really let this loss compound the season. You got a massive game coming up against Boise State. Yeah, uh, we'll, we'll take it in for what it is. Uh, it was a loss, but there's spurts of good things. Move on to the next week because what we've seen already in college football is it's week to week. Um, if you if you hang on to last week too much, you're going to get beaten. If you think that you're moving on, you gotta, <clears throat> you're gotta, you rolling and everyone's going to lay down and die and you're going to win every game. It's not going to happen. So uh, it's week to week in college football. Uh, we're got, moving on to Boise State now. Uh, we're going to be at home. So we got a big game. Uh, we match up well with Boise State, in my opinion. So I'm looking forward to it. And I know all the rest of the guys are uh, ready to get back on the field and make these changes, make these adjustments and uh, show what kind of real ball we can do. Trey, can you comment on what happened on the field goal at the end of the game? Yeah, I, uh, you know, we knew we, we didn't have any timeouts. We had less than a minute to go. We knew we had to get down the field and, uh, and we knew we had to get, you know, inside the 40 yard line for Caden to have a, a chance at the field goal. 
we did exactly that. Um, you know, I thought we were going to clock the, you know, we had, I think 10 seconds left on the, on the clock. And, and I thought, uh, you know, I thought we were going to spike the ball and, and, and then bring the field goal team out. And, you know, I was lined up to spike the ball and then I saw guys running out and, uh, you know, I sprinted off the field. They threw the, put the field goal team on. I'm not entirely sure if that was supposed to be or not. Um, but it, it doesn't matter. We had a chance to uh, win that game at the very end and we, we came up short. Heartbreaking finish, but what can you say about that final drive? You had 44 seconds left and you gave yourself a chance. You know, I'm really proud of, uh, you know, that, um, you know, Dante, Dante had a couple of really good catches. He's a great player. He's a guy that we, uh, we definitely miss. Um, and he came in big at the end. Todd, uh, Todd threw the ball well at the end and, I think it was really well executed, in my opinion. You know, that's hard to do. You have less than a minute, no timeouts. You're running routes across the middle, which doesn't, you know, get you out of bounds. That's that's hard to do now. And and we we executed very well. And I think, you know, we could have done a little bit better at that last play. I don't know if we, we should have spiked it or not. I don't know what what the issue was with that. But we still had a chance to, to win the game at the very end, just came up a, a little short. Terry, what do you feel like changed with the passing offense down the stretch? I mean, I know there were a couple of missed opportunities. EJ had the opportunity to catch the ball in the third quarter. But it seemed like, you know, the passing offense really didn't start clicking consistently until that last quarter. You know, we were running the ball really well. David Bailey is an unbelievable player for us, and, and he was running the ball really well. So it was working for us, and, and, and that's what we wanted to do. Um, you know, we, we missed a shot to EJ. We missed a couple shots. To, we missed one to tie, but – at the end of the day, you know, that wasn't the issue. The issue, you know, we just we had too many mistakes. We had too many penalties. We had turnovers. And but it's also encouraging because we're, we're right there. We had a chance to win the game. And, and I'm really proud of this team. You guys have responded, you know, from these types of tough losses, at least in other points this season, coming back from the Vanderbilt game, going on the road, beating Toledo. Now you got a massive home game against Boise State. As one of the leaders in this team, on this team, you know, how do you keep us from compounding the season? You know, we're going to take it in. Uh, like Toby said, we got to evaluate what we did good, what we did bad, but we got to put it behind us. Um, we're going to come in tomorrow. We're going to come in Sunday and, and we're going to get right back to work. We're going to buckle our short, you know, buckle our helmet up, get back to work and, and we're going to have some tough practices and we're, we're going to have an edge on our, you know, edge on our shoulder because, because we want to go beat Boise. It's something our program's never done. And that's, and that's going to change this week. All right, that was Trey and Toby McBride post-game. Decided to just play both instead of splitting them up. It it seemed most natural. I know I didn't really tease Trey before the the clip there, but just kind of their perspective on how you don't let it compound, what went wrong in that last minute, everything else. But obviously, you know, they, they got to put it quickly behind them because you've got a really important matchup coming up against Boise State. The Broncos were on a bye this week, so, you know, they had the the benefit of getting some rest and just kind of, you know, scouting the opponent, all of that. Um, you know, I, I do think the Rams will come out fired up and, and they're going to have to. Like I said, this this week is is really going to be huge for their opportunity to, you know, continue to be a factor in the Mountain Division because I don't think anybody expected them to be leading the conference after leading the division, excuse me, after the first couple of games. They were, they had that opportunity, man. They had an opportunity to go three, and oh. you just, you can't let it compound. No, because that's, that is what happened consistently in the Mike Bow era. You'd lose a heartbreaker and then you'd be really sloppy and down the next game. And then you'd lose another heartbreaker and then the season would just be over. I don't think that's going to be the case with this CSU team. I think they recognize that they're still in it. 
I think they have too much pride and just consistently. I mean, the mentality that we've seen from them all year makes me think that, you know, they're going to come out and, and just battle until the very end. And I hope so, because I do think they're good enough to be Boise. I think they're good enough to beat Air Force in Wyoming. I mean, yeah, let's, let's just get into it because the late game was Air Force San Diego State tonight, defensive showdown, a really quality game from San Diego State. There were road dogs in this, and it was an overreaction after kind of a weird game on, on a fluky late night game against San Jose State last week and, you know, an empty stadium, basically. Um, 20 to 14 was the final. I came really close to hitting a huge parlay and needed one more touchdown in this. Really mad at myself because all week I talked about San Diego State money line. You know, it was dumb. They were dogs. Actually, speaking of DraftKings stuff, I got to give my DraftKings pick of the week real quick. Um, I I gave this on DNVR bets yesterday, but I'll just double down on it. I think the Tennessee Titans are going to beat the Chiefs. I don't understand how they're going to stop Derrick Henry. I think he's going to run all over them. I'm sure it'll be a good game, but I just, I don't see anybody stopping Derrick Henry, especially this terrible, terrible Chiefs defense. So I'm going bold. You can get it at plus money, man. They're at home. I love the Titans in this game. I'm all in. That's my DraftKings uh, pick of the week. Getting back on track though, Wyoming, man, their offense is completely inept. Sean Chambers has been brutal at quarterback. That's a dude that's battled through a bunch of injuries. He's had some great moments as the pokes with the pokes. Um, they just, they can't move the ball through the air at all. They can't sustain any type of drive. I thought they would run the football better. I mean, Xavier Valade is a stud. They haven't got him going. They've gone 10 quarters without scoring an offensive touchdown guys like Wyoming and Colorado are brutal offensively. Both of them have pretty good defenses and are kind of wasting them, but offensively they're, they're just inept and UNM, they decided to go back to the, the triple option offense, which is just, it's just what they should do. I know like coaches get in their pride and, and they want to be able to run a pro style or a passing offense. They don't have the personnel for it, at least not yet. UNM, they've tripped some teams up. I mean, they beat Boise State with the option approach a couple of years back. Just stick with it. Be weird. Be quirky. It's what Air Force does, and it works for them all the time. I don't understand why they don't do it more. But they got a big-time road win. Good for the Lobos. They definitely needed it. And that's three straight losses for Wyoming. I mean, I I talked about it before the season. I talked about it in non-conference play. They were playing a bunch of slapdicks in non-conference play. Excuse my language. I hate that term, but... They were playing a bunch of mediocre teams in non-conference play. And, you know, now they're playing the real deal and, and it's showing. It's it's totally showing. I think if you're CSU, you got to feel pretty good about your chances of keeping the bronze boot this year. Obviously, winning in Laramie is never easy, regardless of how the team is doing coming in. But I, I definitely think CSU is the better team. Looking around the Mountain West, Fresno State, Nevada was probably the game of the night. San Diego State Air Force was great, too. But it was just a real treat watching Carson Strong and Jay Kaner go at it. Fresno State, man, at home, pulled out the big victory, 34-32, barely held on. Nevada actually drove down the field with no timeouts late, very similarly to CSU, and came up just shy. Instead of coming up shy on a field goal, they actually scored a touchdown, but they were down eight, and they couldn't get the two-point conversion. Threw it to Romeo Dubs, who had like 20 catches in this game. It was absurd. He was out of bounds in the back of the end zone, though. And they fall 34-32. I still think San Diego State is the front runner, but there's some big, big games coming up between San Diego State and Nevada. 
uh, Fresno State and San Diego State. So I'm I'm really looking forward to seeing how the West plays out. It's going to be a bloodbath. I'm <laughs> thank goodness CSU didn't also have to play Fresno State and San Diego State too, because uh, their schedule is is challenging enough. San Jose State narrowly escaped UNLV Friday night. UNLV has five losses this year by a single score, and they're just one of the most unlucky teams in the country. I mean, they were up in this one. They just, they can't hold on. They're inexperienced. Marcus Arroyo still winless in his tenure as head coach at UNLV. And I don't know. It's a shame. Like they play hard. Like I don't, I don't think they should be winless, but it's a results business. I mean, that's what Mike Bobo used to say, you know, it's a results business and the results have not been there for UNLV. We'll see. I I still think they're going to itch out at least one win Their Their total is set at one and a half. I don't know if they're going to win two games. I don't think they'll go winless. We shall see. Really weird year in the Mountain West. Everybody is relatively competitive, even the bad teams like Wyoming, UNLV, San Jose State's obviously down this year. I still think they'll make a bowl game. Same with Hawaii. I mean, Hawaii's sneaky, and and that game on the island is going to be so important for CSU, especially, you know, depending on what happens in these next couple of ones, they're probably going to need that one for a bowl victory. Uh, Hawaii, just speaking of the devil, they actually, they beat New Mexico State. They had the rare in-season series. They played at New Mexico State and hosted New Mexico State. They might reach a bowl game this year with two of their wins coming against the same team. Just kind of a little weird schedule quirk. Uh, They are playing better football of late. You can still kind of run all over them. Cortez Davis at cornerback's a stud and is a guy who I really liked at Mountain West Media Days. But they, they definitely have some holes. I Again, you know, it's a game that's challenging on the road. Should be winnable for CSU. We shall see. I think their most winnable games are probably the road ones with the three toughest being the three that they have at home. But I mean, you get a chance to control your fate. There's obviously plenty to play for. The border war. You want to beat Air Force for the first time since 2015. You want to beat Boise State for the first time ever. Reach a bowl game. Maybe more. You know, they only have one loss in conference play. It's not as if they're completely out of it. Utah State, they host Hawaii. Then they go to New Mexico State. They still have to go to San Jose State. They host Wyoming and at New Mexico. They should be favored in all five of those games, but it wouldn't shock me if they have at least one slip up. If they do, and you know, you go five and one down the stretch, or you know, we'll see, or four and one, excuse me, down the stretch. You never know. You never know, you know, but it all starts with Boise State. They they gotta find a way. And I just I feel good, which is weird. I I can't. I don't know if I've ever felt good going into a CSU Boise state game. It's, it's definitely a weird feeling, but we shall see plenty to play for. We'll obviously dive into it throughout the week. Um, thank you to everybody that continues to support the podcast. Thank you to our presenting sponsor, Chevalier mortgage, DraftKings, solace meds, everyone. We will be back. Much love. Peace. Peaches out of Palisades, sweet as mama's marmalade. This shit sound like summer days, the windows down on harmony. The family band sing harmonies, my daddy played the drums. My mama slapped that bass, my sister sang these songs. Dancing under canopies, we thank the trees for all their leaves. We are just some drops of water, together make up seven seas. And one day I'll be like my father, one day I will learn to breathe. I'm choking on the thought that I am not the man I want to be.